This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified, unique, voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! <laughs> Hello again, my beautiful screamers, and welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. I am Patrick Walsh. I am your host, and every month, twice a month, I am your guide to the weird and wonderful world of horror movies. But you're going to have to see them through my very, very gay little eyes. Ha! Don't say I didn't warn you. Tonight. It's episode 287, and we are rounding off Women in Horror Month. And to do so, I turn the show over to you. And you guys got to pick the movie that I was going to talk about, that I am going to talk about, rather. And you overwhelmingly decided for the 1954 film The Hitchhiker, directed by legendary Hollywood bad girl Ida Lupino. But before we get into that, just a few things to take care of. Uh, First of all, since I haven't done this in a really long time, Smoochy watchy added to death death. What's going on with that cat? Miss thing. Miss Kitty is not doing well. I don't know what's going on. As many of you know, she suffers from feline hyperesthesia. She has these seizure type moments and she winds up self-harming and she rips the hell out of her tail. And normally she gets them about once a day. I can medicate them. They're starting to escalate. They're coming two and three times a day and I have to wait a week to get a vet appointment. So I'm very worried about her. I can't keep sheets on the bed because everything's like covered in blood every time she gets up on it. You know, she's bleeding constantly and it's bad. It's really bad. I'm very worried about her getting an infection. And remember a long, long time ago when the vet suggested a tailectomy for her? I'm starting to wonder if maybe that is the way to go after all. But I haven't made any decision one way or the other. But keep Miss Smoochie in your thoughts. We appreciate it. Also, I want to give a big thank you to Zombie Girl TJ. Zombie Girl TJ sent a little get well present for me and also for Smoochie, even though she, well, I guess she can get a get well present. Thank you. Thank you very much, Zombie Girl TJ. I got a little, little stuffed Cthulhu. I'm very happy with that. He's very cool. He's very, I mean, he's very scary. I mean, he's very scary and I'm very scared of him and he's scary. And he's hanging from my microphone right now, which probably is not a good idea, but you know what? What is? What is? Also, she got... TJ, it was really sweet. You got that little, you know, what do they call this? You know, a, a teaser toy. You know, it, it's, it's, you know, it's a long black and white feathery thing for her to beat up and attack. TJ, why did you get her the black and white one? Why did you get her something that looks like her tail to beat up and attack when she's already attacking her real tail? No, I'm just kidding. It's perfectly fine. It's enough blue in there that, you know, she's, she doesn't, it's, she, she can tell the difference. She's no damn fool. I'm the fool. Thank you, TJ. That was very sweet. You might remember a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned going to see a, a show on Broadway called The Inheritance, and I got so freaked out by it, I had to leave at the end of Act One of an eight-hour play. Well, I got to go back yesterday, and it was fabulous. I faced my fears, and it was totally worthwhile. Um, if you're in New York, it's closing very soon, so get your ass there if you can. It's 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 hard to describe what it is. It's a gay history from the 80s to the present day and how the past, the present, and the future all need to work together, and it's fabulous. It's wonderful. It's sweeping. It's gorgeous. You'll laugh. You'll cry. You'll freak out. Tony Goldwyn's in it. 
you know, most famously from Ghost, but most famously for us, for being harpooned Friday the 13th, part six. And I joked, but when I was going to go see it the first time, that, oh, maybe I should bring my copy of Friday the 13th for him to sign afterwards. But I, again, I had a panic attack at the end of Act One because the, the AIDS stuff that they did was so graphic. Not even graphic, but just so resonant that it totally brought me back. Totally brought me back to the crisis. And, but anyway, it's, it's not just sad. It's full of joy and wonder. And I'm hoping they're making it into a movie because y'all need to see this. Fabulous stuff. And, of course, get your tickets for FlameCon. I've submitted for two shows to perform at FlameCon, a live show of the podcast and also a live performance show like uh, Singing and Dancing, which I can't tell you about because I don't want anybody to steal my ideas. But uh, neither one have been confirmed yet, but keep your fingers crossed. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, FlameCon happens in New York City in August. It is the world's largest queer Comic-Con for sci-fi, horror, and fantasy. And I keep telling everybody, horror has been horribly underrepresented every year in the fandom. It always winds up, and, 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 and we can make, it's a fabulous convention. Get your asses down here. I don't know why the horror community continues to ignore this, but we have been, and I'm hoping to change that. If you got time in August, get your ass to New York City. Airbnbs will be cheap as fuck because everybody in New York leaves during August. Sure, it's hot, sure, it's gross, sure, it's disgusting, but you know what? doesn't matter because you'll be at FlameCon where it's going to be the hottest of all. So I think that's about all I've got for catching up stuff. So why don't we get down to business and talk about 1954's The Hitchhiker and the woman behind the camera, Ida Lupino. So before we dive into the movie itself, I would be remiss, especially during Women in Horror Month, to not talk about Ida Lupino herself, because I have to confess, I knew very little about her going into this. I actually realized I don't think I'd ever seen anything she'd been in. Turns out I'd seen quite a few things she directed, which I'll get into in a bit, but I knew nothing about the woman or her life or her work. So I did my research, and I'm really glad that I did, because it turns out Ida Lupino was a bad ass. Badass. She broke so many boundaries in Hollywood. She set so many landmarks and was just this pioneer of filmmaking at a time where pioneering was not encouraged. That I have to say, my tiara is off to you, Ida Lupino, wherever you are. So, okay, Ida Lupino, born in 1918, to a family that was England's premier entertainment family. What does that mean? I mean, they did acrobatics, they did circus stuff, they did vaudeville, they did singing, they did dancing, they did classical theater, they did Shakespeare, they did everything, and this family had been doing it for 300 years. The Lupino family was renowned throughout the UK as being the entertainment family. So when she was born in London, England, this is the world that Ida Lupino came into. So of course, from the time she was born, she is being groomed to be a performer and what a performer she turned out to be at the age of 13 she applied to get into the royal academy of dramatics rada and lied about her age because he had to be 15 so she passed herself off as 15 got into the academy and things start to take off while she's there it's becoming apparent that film is the new medium, it's the hot medium, it's the new place for artistic people to express themselves and to explore. So she was encouraged to start working as a background extra to start learning the craft, which she did. Now, her dad, I should say, was the leading musical theater comedy man. 
of the time, like the number one performer. And her mom was, according to the Guinness Book of World Records, the fastest tap dancer on earth at the time. Now, apparently the story goes that she was accompanying her mom to an audition for a film for Paramount Pictures, just, 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 just going along for the ride. The producer looked at her and said, you know what? I'm going to read her instead of you, mom. And it turned out I had got the part. Not only did she get the part, she got a six-month contract with Paramount. And this is where things start to get a little weird. Because they cast her as a blonde bombshell. And for the next few years, that's all she played. She played these blonde, slinky seductresses. When she was 14, 15, 16, seducing men three times her age. But since she had grown up in this kind of entertainment family and was used to the company of adults and used to being pushed past her age limit when it comes to like, you know, you know, she's reciting Shakespeare at age four. She's used to being around adults. She carries herself more maturely. So she's passing herself off as 24, 25 when she's not. She's 14. So all of this is super creepy. One of the people in the documentary that I saw that said in one scene that she shot for some movie, she had to seduce her own godfather. And she did it. Apparently, she's great. She's great at it. She's fantastic. However, she started to get a reputation as being difficult. And when I say difficult, I mean difficult in the eyes of the producer because this is the studio system now. When you signed for a studio contract, they signed you for one certain role. Like if they, if they cast you as a villain, you were going to be cast as a villain in everything. If you got cast as the leading lady, you're always going to be cast as the leading lady. And if you got cast as a blonde bombshell seductress, that's what they, it's the only thing they want from you. But she's coming from the highest renowned English entertainment family. She's trained better than this. She's going, I want to do something else. So she's always complaining on the set like this. I don't like this role. I don't like this part. Why do you keep giving me these terrible parts? Can we rewrite this? Can we change this? Can we change that? And she keeps getting put on suspension. That's a recurring theme for the career of Isla Pino, always on suspension from the studios. Now, eventually she convinces them to cast her in a much smaller but like really meaty role in some Peter, uh, some movie called like Peter Ibelek or some, some awful thing. But they cast her in it. The studio didn't expect anything to come of this movie because it was a terrible title. And it was a biography pick and who cares? But apparently she's fantastic in it. She kills it in this very serious role. And all of a sudden all the newspapers are agog. Oh my gosh, who is this brand new star? Meanwhile, she's already starred in 20 movies, but now all of a sudden people are paying attention to her. Hooray, she thinks. Hooray. Now people are going to take me seriously as an actress. Except once this movie goes away, you know, it's a big hit, critically and at the box office, they keep handing up the same things. And what's making it worse, it's the studio system, which means they already have a Betty Davis. And they've decided that she's a Betty Davis type, but she's not Betty Davis. So the only thing that she's getting offered are things that Betty Davis refused. And at this time, Betty Davis was, you know, blonde, blonde, you know, seductress kind of thing. So she's, she's not happy. She's like, I don't want to be a secondary Betty Davis, but it's the studio system. You signed a contract with them. You can't go audition for another movie. You can't go audition for another studio. They own your ass. Problems, problems, complaining, complaining, suspension, suspension, suspension. Now, eventually she makes friends with legendary gossip columnist Hedda Hopper. And Hedda Hopper told her straight up, listen, honey, you want to get taken seriously? You got to let your hair go brown again. You got to lose the baby fat. You let your eyebrows grow back in and you got to stop looking like a hussy. They want you to look like a hussy, so stop looking like a hussy. She takes the time to do that and all of a sudden she's the fabulous, sleek, mature woman. 
Of course, she's still 17, but still, she's, she's a totally different character now. We're moving into a different era of filmmaking, and now she's getting cast in film noir as the femme fatale. And apparently, when you think of the femme fatale, you're thinking of Ida Lupino. She set the bar for what that character is going to be like. But still, this is not, this is you know, satisfying for a while, but she's still like, uh, I can do other things. I can do other things. And she keeps convincing the studios, begging them to make her, let her take smaller parts in films they don't think are important. And one of them, I, had, I saw a clip of it in his biography, and I had to watch the whole movie because I said this looks incredible, uh, called, a film called The Light That Fails, in which she plays a prostitute who is hired to work as an artist model, and it drives her mad. And this clip of her mad scene where the artist is just making her laugh and laugh and laugh for hours and hours and hours, and she's just sitting there laughing and you see her go insane and go through layers and layers and layers of emotion. It's such a modern performance. It's something that you don't expect to see in a 1930s movie. And it's incredible. So I watched the whole movie, and this woman is fabulous. She's an incredibly gifted actress. Like All those things that I complain about, you've heard me complain about in the past, about older movies, like how everybody has to talk like this. Oh my goodness, we all have to talk in this weird artificial way, and everybody sounds the same. She's not like that. She's not like that. Yeah, she sounds like that when she's doing the femme fatale, but you know what? She set the role for the femme fatale, so she can talk like that. So anyway, again, huge critical success, huge box office success. But the studio keeps putting her in what she calls insignificant roles in insignificant films telling insignificant stories. She's just longing for something to just push her, to like let her show what she can do and tell stories that matter. What eventually happens she gets sick of the studio system, meets up with another producer, and they start their own film company. They started independent studio, which was unheard of at the time. There was the studio system or nothing. You can't work outside of the studio system. You can't be independent. Apparently, yes, you can. Yes, you can. And Ida made it a point. Like, I want to tell personal stories. I want to tell things that are groundbreaking. I want to fit, talk about things that are daring. I want to talk about things that are taboo. And I want to talk about things that matter to people. The first movie that her new studio is making is called Not Wanted. Not Wanted is about unplanned pregnancy. A frank, honest, realistic look at unplanned pregnancy. This is during the Hayes Code. Remember when we talked about the uninvited and how they had to do all the backflips and, and turn themselves inside out to try to get past the Hayes Code to get the story that they wanted across because that was also about an unplanned pregnancy as well as many other things. But you could not talk about this in a film. Could not talk about it. Yet she did it. She did it. And when I say she did it, you're like, oh, well, she's just running the studio. Well, yeah, they had somebody else set to direct this film. One week into production, the guy they had directing the film has a heart attack. They can't find a replacement. Ida Lupino says, okay, I'll step in. And all of a sudden, you have a woman running an independent studio, now directing her own films, and Hollywood is losing its money. I'm sorry, direct her own films about taboo topics, and Hollywood, the Hollywood patriarchy is losing its goddamn mind. Roddy McDowell is on the documentary as well, who's a friend of hers, and he just said, the movies that she made, I don't know how she got them made, and I don't know how she got them to the Hays Code, and I don't know how they got distributed, but they did. And it's a good thing they did, because it turns out 
that Not Wanted was a huge box office success as well as a critical success. Her second movie called Outrage was the first American film to deal with rape at a time in the movies that you couldn't even say the word rape. You had to dance around it, but she did it because it was an important topic, not an insig- it was a significant story with significant parts that people wanted to hear, that people needed to hear. And again, huge box office success, huge box office success, huge critical success, and the Hollywood patriarchy is pissed. And with this, Ida Lupino joins the Screen Directors Guild. Ida Lupino becomes the second woman in history to be allowed into the Screen Directors Guild. There was another woman whose name I'm ashamed I don't have in front of me right now, who was ahead of her, but she stopped working in 1943, and now we're in the 50s. So right now, Ida Lupino is the only woman directing in Hollywood, and she'd remain that way throughout the 1950s. Rock on Ida. Which leads to the third production of her brand new studio, The Hitchhiker, from 1954. Now, you might say, well, what does the film noir thriller have to do with being a significant story that needs to be told? Aha, it's a true story. And you know when Hollywood movies say based on a true story and they're only kind of sort of meaning it? This was ripped from yesterday's headlines. Because The Hitchhiker, you see, is based on the all-too-real crimes of one Billy Cook, who led a 22-day reign of terror on the American highways. Okay, on December 30th, 1950, Billy Cook was hitchhiking got picked up by a mechanic named Lee Archer near Lubbock, Texas. Billy Cook robs this guy at gunpoint and forces him into the trunk of his car. Fortunately, this mechanic eventually escapes by opening the trunk himself with a tire iron. Rock on Lee Archer. But Billy keeps the car and he runs out of gas somewhere in Oklahoma and again poses as a hitchhiker. And this time, he's picked up by a family. Uh, A guy named Carl uh, Carl Mosser who was going to New Mexico with his wife, his three children, and their dog. For 72 hours, Cook forced Mosser to drive around aimlessly at gunpoint. Just driving around, driving around, driving around, driving around, until eventually Cook shot the entire family and the dog and then dumped their bodies in a mine shaft in Joplin, Missouri. So Cook takes the car and he heads off to California where outside Blythe, California, a deputy sheriff became suspicious, goes to question him, winds up being taken by surprise, jumped from behind, and taken hostage. And again, he's forced to drive around aimlessly at gunpoint, driving around, driving around. Meanwhile, Cook is bragging about murdering the monsters. And after many, many hours, Cook forces the deputy to pull over by the side of the road and lie down in the ditch, saying that he was about to shoot him in the head. However, hooray, the deputy is able to overpower him and gets in the police car and drives away. Doesn't catch Cook, unfortunately, because then Cook goes and kidnaps another motorist, a guy named Robert Dewey, a salesman from Seattle, forced to drive around aimlessly in the desert again, and eventually uh, Cook murders the guy by blowing his head off. So by this point, all law enforcement agencies are going bananas in the U.S. Southwest trying to find this guy. Everybody's on the lookout. But in the meantime, he kidnaps two more men, James Burke and Forrest Dameron, who were on a hunting trip. 
He forces them to drive across the drive forces them to drive across the border to uh, to Mexico to a town called Rosalita, where eventually Cook was recognized by the police chief and arrested. And the hitchhiker is the story of this last particular leg about the two guys who are out for a trip, who pick up the wrong guy and are waiting, 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 waiting for when that trigger is going to pull. And just to wrap up everything on Billy Cook, he was, of course, sentenced to 300 years in prison and died in the gas chamber in 1951, in 1952, rather. His last words were, I hate everybody's guts and everybody hates mine. Now, I'm giving you a lot of setup for the hitchhiker because, to be honest, there's not much to the hitchhiker. And I don't mean that it's not a good movie. It's a great movie. It's very dark. It's very suspenseful. Very film noir. All great shadows and, and, and just all about tension. And But it's also lightning fast. It's just over an hour. So And a lot of it is just driving around at gunpoint. And the suspense of what's going to happen. Because like he tells these two schlubs who pick him up, Listen, you need to get a hold of this right now. You two are going to die. I'm going to kill you. It's just a question of when. If I find out the police know I'm in this car, you're dead. If you two try anything, you're dead. And as soon as we get to Santa Rosalia, it's the end of the line for you. Say your prayers. And it's that kind of tension and waiting. And it is gripping. Very exciting movie. And what's also interesting is that Ida Lupino, first woman director, only woman directing movies in the 50s, picked a project that's virtually all men. The cast is virtually all men. There's two women in very small roles. But aside from that, it's all men. And of course, it's Hollywood, so you're dealing with an all-male crew. And of course, the patriarchy is going, she's not going to be able to handle all these men. Guess what? Ida Lupino knows how to handle herself on set. Because you know what else is really cool about Ida Lupino? You know all that time that she spent on suspension? Ida Lupino wasn't sitting home going boo-hoo-hoo. Nuh-uh. See, apparently when you're suspended from a studio contract like that, you just can't work. They don't say uh, they didn't say you can't visit the lot. So Ida spent her time on suspension on the lot, talking to everybody behind the scenes, learning the craft of what to do behind the lens and not just in front of the lens. And that is ballsy. Rock on Ida. Of course, I'm trying to find the gay in the movie. There is some gay. Ishness, because these two guys that are on the on the trip, you're meeting them at the beginning, and one of them says, "You know, this is the first time, the only time except for the war, that I've been away from the wife and kids." So these two guys are going away for a vacation together, without the wife and kids, and they don't seem to have any destination. Their initial conversation is like, "Well, we could go to the this place in the mountains, oh, but there's nothing to do there but fish." Yeah. You're right. Well, we can go over here. Nah, I don't want to go there either. So to me, it just seemed like these two guys just wanted to get away and be together. 
Like, I'm not saying that they were doing anything yet, though. I'm just saying that maybe I, I'm like, maybe there's some, I feel like there's some kind of attraction between them. They've been waiting forever, and this is just an excuse to get away from the family, and maybe something will happen this time. That's what I was getting from it. Is it there? Probably not. But as the movie progresses, something else that, that the guy who's playing the uh, Billy Cook character, the, the, the killer hitchhiker, he's saying, you know what's the matter with you two? They, they try to jump him at one point. The problem with you two? You care too much about each other. If one of you was just out to save yourself, you could have killed me 10 times over by now. But no, you two care too much about each other and are looking out for each other. And I'm like, of course they do because they're secretly in love with each other and neither one of them will admit it yet. Is it there? No, it's not. It's not. Um, my beef with the movie is minor and it's more of a period thing than anything else. It's just the style of like, the men never show fear. They get angry. They don't get scared. Except for one scene where a guy has a very dramatic breakdown. You know, please God, Jesus, please God, save please God. Aside from that, there's, there's, there's no vulnerability from either one of them, which is a shame. But that's the period. And what can, and it's film noir. There's a style you have to stick to. But The Hitchhiker, very disturbing. In parts. one of the things that's very upsetting for me you hear a radio announcement, they're like, be on the lookout for whatever this guy's name is. He's 28 years old. This guy is 28 years old like I'm 28 years old. This guy is old. He's old. But one of his distinctive, distinctive characteristics that you know they keep saying on the police bulletin, you'll be able to spot him because he has a half-paralyzed eye. Like one eye doesn't work right. Well, what's so scary about that? Well, as he keeps saying to the guys, whenever they, they stop for the night, he's like, listen, just so you guys don't get any ideas. You're never going to know whether or not I'm asleep. Because this eye over here, it never really closes. So it's always going to be watching you. So just know, I'm never asleep. There's many scenes that are trying to escape. You're like, is he asleep? Is he not asleep? I can't tell. But yeah, so what we've got is this, it's, it's a road picture. It's, it's a travel picture. Are we, we're on the road to Santa Rosalita. It's not for a party. It's for a funeral. But whose is it going to be? Whose is it going to be? I said, well, I know it's the haste code still, so I know the bad guys has to be punished, but that doesn't mean one of our two good guys isn't going to die. And I'm not going to tell you how it all works out because this movie is available for free on Netflix. It's public domain and you should watch it. It's an hour out of your life. And what makes it suspenseful, too, is that particularly when they get into Mexico, it's the 1950s. The highway system is not what it is now. So when they say they're on the highways, you're talking about dirt roads in the middle of the goddamn desert that are barely paved. So they are always in the middle of nowhere. And you're buzzard circling all the time. It is grim. It is humorless. It is suspenseful. It is nail-biting. I loved it. And the fact that I Lupino, this woman who's pioneering... These new kinds of movies. As a woman. With an all-male cast. And an all-male crew. Who is able to pull the performances. And get the respect out of the crew and cast. That she needs to pull off a movie like this. Gee, Yahoo. At a time like this. At a time like this. Where you're supposed to be barefoot and pregnant. And vacuuming with pearls. That's what you're supposed to be doing Ina Lupino. No, not Ina. She's like, I'm making movies. And I'm making them my way. Which is why I have undying respect now for Ida Lupino. Because it's not just, I'm doing this my way, I'm doing this my way, I'm doing this my way. 
but also she had the respect for herself as a person, as an artist. She's like, I not, I don't want to be your slut girl anymore. Sure, I can work forever like this, but I'm, that's not me. I'm better than this. And I'm going to show you that I'm better than this. And if you're not going to listen to me, I'm going to make my own movies. And all Hollywood was waiting for her to fall on her ass, and she didn't. She didn't. She rose up, fought the patriarchy, and won. At a time where you didn't fight the patriarchy, because the patriarchy wasn't even the patriarchy, it's just the way things are. And according to Roddy McDowell, she never thought she was doing anything special. She was doing what she needed to do for herself. It wasn't a big deal. All these achievements that she had, not a big deal. It was just what needed to be done. It was the right thing to do. And I say, right on item. Idol Pino went on. Uh, the, the studio, after the Hitchhiker was a huge success. Unfortunately, the studio kind of went to pieces after that. Uh, flop after flop after flop and eventually closed. Ida wound up back in the studio system doing shitty parts in shitty movies again because it's the studio system and now they're pissed at her. Surprise. However, she's still directing and now there's television. Television's taking off and she had a huge career directing and writing for TV, um, including The Twilight Zone. She's one of the only women, I think actually she's the only woman to direct for The Twilight Zone and one of the pieces that she directed for The Twilight Zone is one of the most famous and terrifying ones of them all and I'm talking about The Masks. Yeah, that was Idolapino. She was even a Batwoman villain. Dr. Spellcaster. She directed that and she became, made herself a bad, bad villain, which is amazing. And then I've lost my goddamn mind because it turned out that very, very late in her career, she directed one of my all-time favorite gay camp classics, The Trouble with Angels, starring Haley Mills and Rosalind goddamn Russell. The fact that Idolapino directed the movie that contains the character that is basically... The blueprint for my life, Haley Mills in that movie, is what I base my life on. I just had the most scathingly brilliant idea. Anyway, we're not talking about the trouble with angels. Talk about Ida Lupino. Unfortunately, things did not go well for Ida after this. She married Howard Duff, who, according to the biography, was a self-proclaimed, confirmed bachelor. And you know what I thought that was code for? No, turns out he wasn't gay. He was just a dog. And she has, she has a baby with him and she wants she gets married to him. And even though he says, I'm not going to be a good husband to you. I'm not going to be a good father. I don't think we should do this. But she insists that they can make it work, but they can't. They can't. But for some reason, Ida Lupino spent the rest of her life trying to make this work. Meanwhile, he's running around having hugely public affairs with Ava Gardner and every, you know, starlet on the lot except her while she dissolves slowly in a cloud of booze and pills. Until her death in 1990-something. Six, I think. Anyway. Tragic end brought about by man to a woman who revolutionized Hollywood by herself. Broke down barriers, set landmarks, and made socially conscious films before socially conscious films were a thing. So rest in peace, Ida Lupino. Thank you very much. For an incredible lifetime and an incredible body of film and TV work on both sides of the camera. And thank you, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, for recommending this movie. Even though I didn't talk much about the movie, because I can't talk much about the movie, there's not much to actually talk about. 
but for bringing this woman to my attention because this is what Women in Horror Month is all about. Because the other thing that's weird about Ida Lupino is that she's gone um, forgotten, sort of. She's not in the pantheon of who you think of when you think of legendary, legendary 1930s and 40s starlets. And that's a shame. That's a shame. But again, that's what this month is all about. And thank you for bringing her to my attention. So again, before we wrap up, I just want to say, not apologize, I just want to restate that, yes, I'm sorry I didn't talk about the movie more, but it's film noir. It's a very simple plot where so much of it is in silence, just driving around aimlessly and about that suspense and waiting, but also the characters themselves are film noir, which means they're black and white, which means there's no depth to them. They're very surface. You know, the villain is the villain, and he's always the villain. There's no soft side to him. You never get to see other layers to him. He's just bad all the time. The good guys are good all the time, so there's not that much to talk about. But in the bigger picture of things, I think Ida Lupino was the thing to talk about for Women in Horror Month, and we have done that, and hooray! Hooray! Now, before we wrap things up, I do want to apologize for a couple of things. First of all, I'm having some technical problems right now. Uh, the recording program that I use, Hindenburg, I just got an update for it, and for some reason... It's not recording properly. It's recording my voice like half an octave too high and about three clicks too fast. And I don't know why. So I'm having to go through and stop and like readjust the speeds every few minutes. So if you notice like wild variations in my tone throughout this episode, that's why. So I apologize for that. I don't know what's going on. I just wrote the company. Hopefully I get an answer soon. But so that's what's going on there. The other thing is for those of you who might have tried to join me on Sunday for the screening of Bright Colors and Bold Patterns on My Circle TV, I apologize. I was there, but those of you who are there on Friday know that I was having problems. I was there, but I couldn't use the chat for some reason. There was something wrong with the chat, but you know, everything else was running fine. So everybody saw what they needed to see and we had a great time. But on Sunday, nothing worked. I was able to log on and that was it. Like no buttons were working. I wasn't even registering that I was logged on in the room. So it was just weird. And I'm not cool with using my circle TV anymore. I've heard and I've dabbled a bit with discord. And I know there's a way to stream things on discord. Cause I would like to continue doing the movie club. I enjoy it. I know the regulars that come have a good time and I would like to keep that going. So if any of you are out there who are savvy with discord, I just need some people to volunteer as a test group to make sure that I think I'm I think I'm streaming everything properly, but I don't know if it's working or not, and I don't know if the chat works and stuff like that. I can it's only one sided. So if anybody out there wants to volunteer, drop me a line at crew at screamqueens.com or send me a note on Facebook or Twitter, which I'll give you all the information in a bit. Please do that and help out the film club going forward in the future because I don't want this to stop and there's no other options right now. Wah, wah, crying. So coming up, it's March. Hooray. And as you know, I've decided that that's going to be Irish Horror Movie Month again. It was fun last year. We talked about grabbers and, and some other thing we talked about. I don't know, some other Irish crap. <laughs> but something has happened. Something unexpected has cropped up that I didn't see coming. And that thing would be a Friday the 13th spectacular because who knew there was going to be another Friday the 13th so soon? Like, like we, we went for like 18 months without one and now we've had two 
in three months? This is crazy. So yes, so next time, expect a Friday the 13th spectacular. And unfortunately, there was no Irish movies to pick that fit, that fit the criteria. But however, there's always a backup plan. And for those of you who are wondering what the hell I'm talking about, here on the show we have a tradition. Whenever a Friday the 13th pops up on the calendar, we talk about the next Friday the 13th movie in the series. However, we ran, a mo- we ran out of movies a long time ago. I've been doing this show for 500,000 years. There's not that many Friday the 13th movies. So what we do instead, we explore a movie that was created or stars one of the people involved with one of the Friday the 13th films. Okay, kind of keep that legacy alive. So the movie that I have chosen for this Friday the 13th spectacular is... Species. Species, produced by Frank Mancuso Jr., who produced almost all of the Friday the 13th movies. And to help me celebrate Friday the 13th Spectacular, we're going to be joined by Vanessa McHenry from the VD Clinic podcast. And also, first-time guest, long-time caller, and I can't believe I've waited this long to invite her on the show. What a horrible person that I am, especially since she just gave me a nice stuffy Cthulhu. That's right, I'm talking about you, Zombie Girl TJ. Yeah, Zombie Girl TJ is going to be here on the show talking about species. And feces, feces. Shut up. That was dumb. But, but hey, Patrick, what about about Irish Horror Month? I was really looking forward to that. Oh, okay. Don't you panic. Don't you panic. We're doing it. But much like Women in Horror Month, I'm going to leave the movie decision up to you. I've chosen four movies. I'm going to be posting them sometime this weekend. And the vote is up to you. Now, in order to vote, you're going to have to sign up for the newsletter. That's the other thing I have to apologize for. I've been working so long on getting this newsletter together that I have so many fucking links and shit on the website, and none of them are pointing to the same place or the right place. So I have been going through and streamlining and making sure that you guys get through, okay? And that when you actually sign up, you get the previous newsletter that has the information, that has the the link that takes you to the place where you can vote. But you got to be signed up for the newsletter vote. So give me a few days, give me till Monday, and I'll send some notes out on social media saying, hey, remember to sign up for the newsletter so you can vote. Yeah, it's going to be really fun, guy. And we'll have a grand old time for Irish Horror Month. Toy, 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 toy. So before we go, I have to say thank you to my sponsors, who of course, Squadcast. Squadcast remote recordings for professional podcasters. Granted, this episode was not recorded with Squadcast because I'm not doing a remote recording. I don't have any guests. It's just me. Hooray. With Squadcast, you always get fantastic sound. You always get perfectly lined up tracks, perfectly timed out tracks, time-coded tracks to make things really easy so you don't have to worry about crosstalk anymore. Like you can fade out the stuff where everybody talks at the same time. You can pick the best track. All kinds of great stuff. You can really, really fine-tune your podcast episode and make it super special. And hey, if you fuck up and you fuck up everything, you be, they've got a backup episode. For, they've got backup tracks for you. You have never lost your, your audio. No matter what, even if your call breaks in the middle, even if you lose the Wi-Fi connection, they're still recording. They still have everything. So no matter what, Squadcast has got your ass. And if you're interested, if you're looking to take your podcast up to the next level, use that link down there in the show notes and get seven days free to play around on Squadcast. Yeah. And of course, thank you to my podcast hosting company, Captivate FM. Captivate FM, the job talking audio ninjas of the podcasting world, making podcasts so damn simple, making publishing so damn simple. It's almost embarrassing. And they're coming out with new features every day. Like we've gotten so many new features in the past two weeks. I can't even keep up. Like I've just gotten three emails today about stuff that's come out in the past couple of days. And it's just so exciting. It just gets better and better and better. Captivate FM, use the link in the show notes, get a seven day trial there as well. And if you'd like to get in touch with the show, if you want to volunteer, to be one of my Discord streaming test bunnies. Sure, why not? <laughs> Give me a call 
at 917-720-2047 and leave a voicemail. Or you can write me at crew at screamqueens.com. And as always, that's Queens with a C. You can find me on Facebook by doing a search for on Scream Queens, where horror gets gay. I'm on Twitter at Scream Queens, and I'm on Instagram at Scream Queens Podcast. And if you want the full Scream Queens experience, you head on over to Patreon and become a patron. www.patreon.com slash Scream Queens, where you'll get updates on what's going on in the movies. Should you waste your money on that movie that's coming out this weekend? Well, I've been to an advanced screening and I already know. So you'll get my opinion. And if I've ruined your weekend, you'll also get an alternative for something else to watch that I'm never going to talk about on this show. New no, sir, never. New no, sir, never. My secret stash of movies. <laughs> and of course, there is the full length spinoff podcast we have over there. Damn you, Uncle Lewis, which is our tribute to Friday the 13th, the TV series. Yeah, we're up to episode six coming out also on uh, uh, this, this March and... Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you might be getting a little sneaky peeky bonus taste of our last episode in the next week or so. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, you will. I'm just teasing you. Anyway, that much said. Thank you for a fabulous and educational Women in Horror Month. And until next time, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, Continue to make the world a creepier place and never, ever forget the Scream Queen's golden rule. Fight or flight, survive the night, make it to the final reel, baby. Or start your own studio. That's what Ida Lupino would do. Damn, girl. The music for tonight's show, unless otherwise specified, has been written by Sam Haynes. You can find all of his music at www.bandcamp.com. Bitches! <laughs>